Our first scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Psalm 78, verses 1 to 7. Let's listen together for a word from God. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. The word of the Lord. And our second reading comes to us from the Hebrew Bible, from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 1 to 2a, 14, 15, and 21 to 23. Let's listen again for what God is saying to the church. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the lands you are, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The word of the Lord. This is the third in, this, in a series of four Sundays focused on gratitude and stewardship. Uh, that is much more broad, just as James said, than just finances. Today, though, is the Finance Sunday. So I think we all need to pray. Let's pray. May the meditations of our hearts together this morning upon your word to us, your comforting, challenging word, be acceptable in your sight and life-giving to us, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
people uh, often tell me I'm strange, um, but I'm focusing now on other Presbyterian ministers, other pastors. Friends of mine tell me I'm a little unusual when I say that one of the great privileges of ministry for me is presiding at funerals and memorial services. Uh, to me, it's such a, an honor and a, a privilege and a, a certain kind of joy to be invited into a person's story, to a family's story, and to be able uh, to use whatever, I, whatever gifts I might have to put words to it and to connect it with their faith tradition, with our particular faith tradition, uh, in a way that, that makes that story continue in relationship, deep relationship with God. It is such an honor. Uh, to, it's amazing how it works. And just to be a small part of that is a, a wonderful thing. One of my other great joys of ministry, along with doing funerals and memorial services, is preaching on stewardship. And again, uh, a couple ministers in the, uh, in the congregation right now are looking at me like, okay, you are strange. But, you know, both funerals and stewardship are about, just about talking about what matters. In a world of pretense, to having a reason to talk about what matters, matters to me. One of the most famous passages in the Bible, not just the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, but the Bible itself is uh, where Joshua, at the end of his journey, as he be begins to be ready to retire and bid farewell to the people whom he has led, says to them, now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. This famous line, choose this day who you are going to serve, because it's going to be somebody or something. This famous line from God's word is both an invitation and a challenge to make a decision about your life, who you are, who you want to be, feel called to be. And Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, as I said, has just gotten the people of God across the river, the Jordan River. We looked at that last week. It's sort of not as well known as it should be. Reenactment of the escape from Egypt through the parting of the Red Sea with Moses now happens again at the Jordan River as Joshua, not Moses, leads the people across into the land that has been promised to them for so long. And his last message to the people here in this 24th chapter, this last chapter of the book of Joshua, uh, is his encouragement and challenge he not only tells the people what they need to do, tells them what he and his household are going to do, he tells them and tells us how to make the decision he has made. But as for me and my house, we will serve God. We will serve the Lord. Now then, said Joshua, put away or throw away, another translation, the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord. I'm not normally a fan of the New International Version of the Bible. We use the New Revised Standard Translation here, but the NIV, the New International Version, translates it better, I think. Instead of, now incline your hearts to the Lord, in the NIV, Joshua says, now yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Put away, throw away all the things that compete with God and yield your hearts to the Lord. So 
when it comes to making decisions, incline, the word in our translation, doesn't work that well for me. I like yield better. Incline is sort of to lean toward but not really go, right? I'm inclined to accept your invitation to get up every morning at 5.30 and run 20 miles. I'm not going to do it, but I'm inclined to do it. But to yield is something else entirely. The Hebrew word can be translated to bend. Bend your hearts to God, to the Lord. Now that's more like it, more descriptive as far as I'm concerned. When when we talk about making a decision about money, it's all about yielding, not about inclining. I've already shared elsewhere Uh, and we are going to emphasize this fall, it's a responsible thing to do, that healthy, a healthy giving percentage for an individual or family uh, really is, is personal. It's really you know, different for every person, but on average in the Christian world, 3% is a healthy uh, giving percentage. 3% of annual household income. Now, that may seem like a lot to you. Do the calculation right now. But the biblical tithe, the biblical percentage is 10%. So that's a 7% discount I'm giving you right now. Just, you know, I'm a messenger. But the truth is, even at 3%, bend is the right word, isn't it? Yield is the right word. You can't just be inclined to reprioritize your finances. You have to bend. You have to yield. Something's got to give, Right? Sarah and I, as I've shared elsewhere this fall, we shoot for between 4 and 5% of our annual household income. If you care to take a look at one of our annual reports, you'll know what I make. It's very public. One of the really fun things about being a Presbyterian pastor, everybody knows every dollar you make. And I, have, I don't have the big job in our family, but we, that's what we shoot for, between 4 and 5%. And... We prioritize increasing our pledge every year. I tell you that because I've got expenses just like you do. Car repairs, a mortgage, utilities, a kid in college, and another one about to start college. And I've got a nasty ice cream habit, right? (laughs) I don't know. I can't get rid of it. They don't just give Ben and Jerry's away, folks. Yeah, so for us, it's about yielding. It's about making tough decisions. It's about deciding what really matters. It's because we care about the ministry, the PCUM moments that James just described. And if you've been around this church for any length of time, you know that they are really countless. It just happens so often and so frequently. I'm willing to yield. We're not easily willing to yield necessarily, but willing to yield our hearts to God when it comes to our finances. You know, yield is a word that is connected with finance and also agriculture. What was that fund's yield this quarter, we ask? Or what did the, what did the wheat crop yield this year? But mostly in our daily usage, yield is a traffic term, right? By the way, Uh, There's a secret that has been sweeping the United States for decades, which I don't think has reached New Jersey yet. The secret is when I come to a four-way stop 
I'm supposed to wait until the cars that got there before me all leave in the sequence they arrived. Is that news to anybody here? I think it might be, because I don't think New Jersey got the memo. But anyway, that's not what I am here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the yield sign. I want to dwell on this, this truth, this reality that is hard, and it should be hard, to decide to give a meaningful amount of my money and your money to God and what God is doing through this unique and wonderful church. Yield. Yield right of way. Now that is actually kind of a tough one. You have to be a little bit older to really know, I think. I don't think my kids have any idea that yield right of way doesn't just mean when you're on the on-ramp to let the cars already on the parkway go ahead of you first, which, by the way, a lot of people didn't get that memo either. But if you come to an intersection where there are no signs at the same time, who goes first? The car on the right. Exactly. So if you're on the other car's left, they go first. That's what yield right of way means. It means give way, right? Let the other person go first. Don't try to win this one. Be alive, stay alive for the next intersection you get to. Yield means give way, right? The French yielded to the Germans in about 10 minutes back in 1940. You get it? They gave way, kind of like matadors. In 1974, after quite an argument, which included my mom and me locking ourselves in our bathroom, my father yielded, finally, and let me grow my hair long. Right? I went from a crew cut to shoulders and one swell foop, as we say. My dad did not want to yield. That's the real secret here today. That's the secret about faith, actually, about what really matters. Joshua tells us what he and Mrs. Joshua and their entire household are going to do, and he doesn't tell us lightly. We will serve the Lord. And then he tells us how. Throw away the other gods in your life, and there are many, and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of your people. Throw away the other gods. That is a hard one for me. I don't throw away anything. Sarah will tell you this. I have a very difficult time throwing anything out. Um, you can never know when that box of VH tapes, VHS, VHS tapes might be useful, right? It's down in the basement. You never know when something might come in handy. That's my motto. I read a news report recently about a grand piano that was going up for auction. The piano once belonged to John Lennon of the Beatles. Before his death, he gave it to a friend. The friend loaned the piano to a local school. Someone at the school, who obviously didn't know pianos very well, gave it to a local church. And that church gave it away with a bunch of other pianos. Because that's what happens in churches. We collect pianos until someone along the way there at that, that giveaway realized the value of this particular piano. It turns out that piano was expected to sell for $3 million at auction. We have a hard time throwing things away, and there are a lot of things we wish we hadn't thrown away once they're gone. But most of us have the opposite problem. We're like me. We have a difficult time getting rid of the stuff that we should have gotten rid of a long 
time ago. And I don't just mean tangible stuff. I don't just mean VHS tapes and furniture and sweaters that don't fit anymore but may one day. I'm talking about emotional stuff, aspirational stuff, stuff that helps us value ourselves, or at least we think it does. Joshua says, throw away the gods that are in competition with the only God that loves you and the only God that will really matter in your life and be there steadfastly through ups and downs, twists and turns. It's hard to get rid of the stuff that's cluttering up our lives. Matthias Barra, a journalist, wrote about the things he learned when he tried to do the 30-day minimalism game. Anybody ever heard of this? You can find that on, uh, on a website called theminimalists.com. If you're not a math person, it's still a pretty simple game. Uh, on the first day of the month, you throw away one thing or give away one thing. On the second day of the month, you give away two things. On the third day, three things. You get how it works? Fourth day, four things. Eleventh day, eleven things. By the end of 30 days, you will have thrown away, how many, anybody good in math really fast here? 465 things. I bet you would notice a big change in your closet or in your house or in your attic or basement if you got rid of 465 things in one month or even in a whole year. It just took, takes a little bit of structure and discipline, I suppose. It's hard to throw away things, even when we know it's stuff, it's stuff that's not serving any purpose anymore in our lives. But it's very difficult to choose the right direction if you're still being pulled in a bunch of other directions and allowing those pulls to be of equal value to you. So what is it that we need to make the decision that Joshua and Mrs. Joshua made? Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped, Joshua tells the people, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose this day whom you will serve. Be honest with yourself. Keeping all this stuff at arm's length and picking and choosing depending on what gives you advantage at a given point, it doesn't work. It never works. This is one of the most powerful messages in the Old Testament, or really in the entire scriptural tradition. And it's just as relevant today as it was all those years ago. The entrepreneur, uh, Derek Sivers recalls a conversation he had once when he was younger with a coach about how Derek wanted to start a new company. His coach responded, no, you don't. That's not the, the sort of mentoring, encouraging uh, response Derek expected from his coach. He tells him he wants to start a new company. He has this dream, and the coach goes, you don't really want to do that. And Derek said, yes, I do. This is really important to me. And his coach said, uh, no, it's not. I, I can ignore what you're saying right now because all I have to do is look at your actions. Our actions always reveal our values. It is said and it is true. If you want to know what's important to someone, look at their calendar and their checkbook. They're lying to you and to themselves if they say anything that isn't reflected in their calendar and in their checkbook. Your actions reveal the truth. Let us meditate on those statements this morning.
as I end with a powerful prayer uh, written and prayed by a man named Joe Saramane that expresses just how much we miss when we sort of hold back from yielding our hearts and our priorities to the God whose work, the Spirit whose work, really makes us feel fulfilled and like the persons we were born to be. Saramane writes in this prayer, You asked for my hands that I might use them for your purpose. I gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, because the work was hard and took up time. You asked for my mouth to speak out against injustice. I gave you a whisper that I might not be accused or call attention to myself. You asked for my eyes to see the pain of poverty. I closed my eyes because I did not want to see. You asked for my life that you might work through me and in me. I gave a small part that I might not get too involved. You gave me the very best of yourself and asked for the best of me in return. I gave you just what I could manage. Lord, forgive me for my calculated efforts to serve you only when it is convenient for me to do so, only in places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy to do so. O oh God, forgive me, renew me, and send me out again as a usable instrument, a joyful instrument of you, that I might take seriously the meaning of your love and your cross. Amen.